0: Summit, leading everyday people to love Jesus and make Him known. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here's our pastor, Dr. Larry LeBlanc. Exodus chapter 33, we'll begin in verse 7 together. Would you stand with me and let's read together. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And Moses went into the tent, and the pillar of the cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, Lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, "'Do not send us up from here. "'How will anyone know that you are pleased with me "'and with your people unless you go with us? "'What else will distinguish me and your people "'from all other people on the face of the earth?' "'And the Lord said to Moses, "'I will do the very thing you have asked "'because I am pleased with you and I know you by name.' "'And Moses said, now, show me your glory. "'And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness "'to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, "'the Lord, in your presence.' I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And the Lord said, there is a place near where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Lord, teach us today what it would take to strengthen our soul. Help us to be a people that strengthen our soul by understanding it's below the waterline, that it's the very root of who we are that matters, that we would build the core of our leadership because we have built up in you a soul that is totally dependent on you. Lord, teach us how to pray today so that our soul would be strong. In Jesus' name, amen. If you ever came to church and you wanted a preacher to have a simple outline, today's your day. Today is your day, because there are three prayers, and they come straight out of Scripture. In fact, if you don't even want to take notes, you can just write number one and highlight in your Bible today, because that is how direct these prayers are, but it is what it is going to take for you to strengthen your soul, and it jumps right off the page, because number one, you see it in verses 12 through 13, Moses comes before the Lord, and he says, "'Teach me your ways.'" Moses says, you've been telling me to lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said I know you by name and have found favor with me, but if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways, there it is again, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. When he says, teach me your ways, obviously, if you went back, it's amazing that this is Moses' prayer because Moses has just spent from Exodus chapter 19 all the way up, 40 days on the mountain with God. And what was God doing for 40 days on the mountain? Teaching Moses his ways. He was giving Moses the Ten Commandments. He was giving him the ceremonial law. He was giving an entire outline for what he wanted this nation to be. He was face-to-face there with Moses in a way that is indescribable how Moses was experiencing the glory of God. And yet some of you would ask that, and it may be that you jump to a conclusion, why would you be praying for the Lord to teach you His ways? Why would you be asking for more of the Lord when you've just experienced all of this? And Moses says, if you want me to lead, then you need to teach me so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Can I tell you a secret about people that love Jesus? People that really love God. The great saints that you've heard their name and the people that history doesn't even have recorded. The people that love Jesus. They want more of Jesus. The people that know Jesus want to know him more. Paul, the apostle, Philippians 3.10, I want to know you more, so much so that I want to share in the fellowship, Paul says, of your crucifixion. Paul says, I just want to know Jesus more. The apostle, Moses, the greatest leader in the Old Testament says, I need to know you more. I need you to teach me more. I I want you to know today, if you are satisfied in your relationship with God, then you have refused to build below the waterline of your life. You would refuse to understand that your soul needs more strengthening. If you've gotten to the point where you said, you know what, I think I'm pretty good or I think I'm good enough or I think my relationship with God is where it needs to be, then friends, hear me when I tell you the greatest people that love Jesus and want to know Him are people that understand that they cannot get enough of God. It's the people that say, well, I think I've read my Bible enough. How have you read your Bible enough? Well, I think I've prayed enough. How have you prayed enough? I think I've worshipped enough. How have you worshipped enough? When you really experience God... When you really taste and see that the Lord is good, isn't that what the psalmist said? Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you are not going to be able to say, oh God, I've had enough of you, but you're going to be at his feet and you're going to say, I want more. And you want me to lead these people and I want to lead these people. But Moses is making a great point. He simply says, I can't take people where I haven't been. How many leaders today, spiritual leaders and other leaders need to hear that? You can't take people where you haven't been. And Moses is saying, I, I, I want you to help me to be better at this. I need your help. I don't only need you to go with me. I need you to show me what it is that you want me to do. Now, if you go back to verses 7 through 11, you notice something. They've had what constitutes a major crisis in Israel. Is that fair to say? I mean, we're worshiping cows. Major crisis. Major crisis. Ten Commandments broken, idolatry, plagues broken out, major crisis. What does Moses do? I find it interesting what he did not do. He did not call a committee meeting. He didn't go visit with a bunch of folks. He didn't go drink coffee with a hundred people. What did he do? It says he went to his tent. Now, what's fascinating about that is everybody knew it was Moses's tent. Everybody knew where it was located. It was outside the camp. And everybody knew when Moses was in the tent to give honor and reverence because there was a holy moment going on because Moses was talking to God. And I'm so impressed by Moses's initial reaction. And I'm, I'm trying to learn from this because he wasn't interested in every leader. Well, let's get all the really big wigs in Israel together and see what they think we ought to do. Forget that. I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to the Lord. I'm going to understand what God wants me to do here. And then I can talk to other people. But before I've been to God, I can't lead until I've gone to him. And some of us need to hear today that the first place we need to be going, if we're going to strengthen our soul, is we need to be going to the tent. We need to develop a right connection with the Lord. We need to find new rhythms and we need to find ways in our life where we're connecting with the Lord in a way that we are focusing on the right things before we focus on the big things. Let me say that again. You need to focus on the right things before you try to focus on the big things. Now, here's where I think this applies not only to Moses, but in our lives, they had the promised land in front of them. They're ready to get there. Moses has got to be ready. This guy's 84 years old, about. And he's been promised this land and he's ready to get there. But Moses understands something. We're not going to a promised land right now. Not in the shape we're in, not with what's going on. So let me focus on what I can do, what I need to do right now. There are too many people that are trying to live their Christian life who are worried about next week and tomorrow and next month and the next big thing you've got going on when it ought to be that we're worried about being in the tent today and focusing on God today and those big events. We allow God to take care of those as they come. Moses could have easily in this moment been like, I've got way too much to do to fool around in this tent, right? I mean, there's a nation of apostates out there. I've got teaching to do. I've got meetings to have. I've got to have some leader training. We've got to go through all of this. But Moses said, no, every bit of that can wait. It all can wait. And the reason that it could wait was because Moses understood that he couldn't run on empty all the time. He couldn't run on fumes all the time. You can't run on caffeine all the time. At some point, you have got to fill your spiritual batteries. You've got to be at a place where you understand that burning out doesn't make you a hero. So I've got to evaluate. I've got to evaluate my pace. I've got to evaluate my charge level. You know, yesterday, um, I had the privilege of being with... A lot of our students and some of our adults and we were in Jonestown in the Delta and it really might have been 187 degrees. Standing over a grill cooking hamburgers and and we were out there um, and I think I counted that I drank eight bottles of water while I was standing out there. I think I drank eight. I, I may have missed one or, but I think it was eight. And still at the end of it, still at the end of it, I realized I'm probably dehydrated. I drank eight bottles of water and I still think that I could probably need a few more. And you know what they tell you? They tell you if you wait till you feel thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Have you heard that? If you feel thirsty, you're already at least partially dehydrated. The problem spiritually is, there's a lot of people that are running around dehydrated because we don't do anything on the front end. Now, there's a lot of people that when spiritual crisis hit, oh, we hit our knees and we run to the altar and we pick up a Bible reading plan and we call Christian friends, but I'm telling you, if you want to be prepared for life, You hydrate in the Word of God and in prayer and with the people of God before crisis hits. Because when crisis hits, you're already dehydrated and it's too late and you're unprepared. Because I got to hang out with students, and I'm I'm this way too, so I'm not just throwing it at our kids. I'm this way too. Have you ever seen how people freak out when the red line comes up on their phone? Charge level? Charge level, 20%. Lose (laughs) <laughs> you got a charger, you got a charger, you got a charger, you got a charger, you got a charger. People running around acting like, I mean, about, about to lose it. You know, we've got, got a fine one here. The, you know, it's 137 degrees outside. It's 214 degrees in the van and the air conditioner's not even on and we're sitting in the van. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, charge, 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 charge. It's unbelievable to me. Like it, we, we, we have this like necessity because we know if that thing goes from 16% to zero, we've lost connection, right? God forbid. We've lost connection. And I got tickled because that happened to me that we were on the way back. I'm not picking on me I'm picking on me. I looked down. My phone said 12%. Chris is driving. I said, Hey, Chris, you got an extra charger? He said, yeah. And he put it back there. And I'm, I'm charging my phone, and I was thinking about you guys, and I thought about how funny God's sense of humor is because I plugged my phone in and I looked at it, and I really thought, what if we even had partial the passion to be charged spiritually as we did right now? Do you know that since I've been talking about this, that given a room this size, there are at least 15 people that have checked the charge on their phone? Y'all are sneaky. Y'all are sneaky. Y'all pull this one right here. We got to leave, got to get to a charger. We might need to put some ports in the pews for you guys just to, uh. but what if we, seriously though, what if we had the same amount of desire to understand we needed to be charged spiritually as we do with electronic devices that are in our life, but instead, most of the time we miss that because it's like we're, we're, we're living in a casino all the time. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. I know none of you know this. Nobody in here would know what I'm about to tell you. And I'm proud of you for that. But casinos don't have windows. do you know that? They don't want you to know what time it is. Just keep pulling that lever, right? Block out time. So you just keep going and going and going and going and going and maybe you look up and all of a sudden you've been in there all night. And I wonder sometimes if it's not a lot alike our lives in that it's, we've lost all track of time. We're we're losing casino lives because it's just go, 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 go. Yet we're leaking vessels, vessels that have to be refilled. We've got to have healthy limits on our life. Um, You know, um, Every one of you's been driving on the interstate, or you've been driving on a highway, and, and you've heard that brrr, You know the that I'm talking about? Some of you are like, that doesn't ever happen to me. I always stay in the lane. Yes, it has! Every one of you have done that, and you hit that thing, and it's like, and why do they do that? Because if you ignore the brrr, the next thing you're gonna hear is bam, bam, bam right? You're going into the rails. They put those there, so when you hear it, it cues you in. Hey, I might want to get back on the road. Unfortunately, some of us don't realize that spiritually, there are some things, there are some sounds that are going off, some absolute warning signs of, hey, you need to get back into the tent. You need to get back in a place where God is going to teach you His ways. Um, You know, sometimes... If we're honest, most of us would say that we always feel like we're in a rush or we're in a hurry, we're trying to kind of live at warp speed and yet we think we can live at warp speed and it not warp our soul. And so, out of one side of our mouth, we say we long for simpler lives. How, much, how often do we hear that? That's, that's a, become a catchphrase, we want simpler lives. But we're lying because everything we do complicates. We just complicate, complicate, complicate. Um, it, it's sort of like um, storage rooms. I, and again, I'm gonna pick on myself. I'm not gonna mess with any of you. I've got a little storage room on, like in my garage at home. It's small, it's just a, I don't know, I hadn't measured it, but it's not big. But about ever so often, I'll go to get something out of there, and for whatever reason, the door opens to the inside. It doesn't open out. I don't know why the doors are built like, I think it ought to open out, but it opens in. Well, there's a problem with that because every time I go to open the door, you have to open the door and then you put your left, right shoulder onto the door and you lean into the door. And there's nothing wrong with the hinges. It's because there's so much junk in there. You have to push it to the side to get into the room. And so I'll think, you know what? I'm going to clean out the storage room. And so we get out, pull everything out of the storage room, throw a whole bunch of stuff away, hang hooks on the storage room, fold stuff, get it all right, look in the storage room, man, this looks right. Do you know that I have done that three to four times in the past several years? And the last time I did it, I timed it. Do you know how long it took for that storage room to go from looking nice and neat and clean to having to put your shoulder back into it? Four days. Four days. That's our tendency, isn't it? To clutter up and to, to, to be like that. I, the U.S. military, check this out. If you ever wondered about government spending, here's one for you. Do you know that the U.S. military to take barnacles? Everybody know what a barnacle Everybody, barnacles? Barnacles off of ships. The U.S. military budget to remove barnacles off of ships is over $1 dollars a year for barnacle removal why if you don't remove the barnacles it causes drag the ships don't operate as efficiently they don't and so you have to look at it and go you know what if we want this ship to operate we need to get rid of some of these that are causing us causing the drag I wonder sometimes if we wouldn't do well every now and then to just stop and say, all right, it's the beginning of the school year, it's a new year. I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna evaluate my life. I'm gonna look at the storage room of my heart. I'm gonna look at how the barnacles are weighing me down, and there are some things that if I'm gonna serve the Lord that need to be cleaned out, done differently, rescheduled, gotten rid of in my life because I realize that I am not as soul strong as I wanna be. I need the Lord. To teach me his ways. Number two. Number two. Look at verse 14. This is powerful. Moses has replied and asked the Lord to go with him. Verse 14 and 15. My The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses prays now, guarantee me your presence. Moses says, I don't even want to go to the promised land. I'd rather be in the desert with you than in the promised land without you. Students, I want you to hear me well on this as well as everyone else. We make plans and make plans and make plans, and that's great. We've just been talking about picking a major and not showing up and expecting them to give degrees out at the front gate. But our prayer ought to be Lord, I'm not going unless you are going to go with me. Help me understand what it is that your plan is for our life and for my life. And I would rather be with you in a desert. I'd rather be with the Lord in a situation that does not seem ideal than without him in whatever I've dreamed up being the best life possible. Because there are going to be some of you that forget the Lord, and you're going to pursue your dreams, and you're going to say, well, he's about to say, I'm not going to achieve them. No, that's not the danger. The danger is that you do achieve your dreams, but your dreams aren't God's dreams for you. And you wake up one day, and you think, I have everything I ever want, but I'm as empty as I can be. And the reason that you're empty is because you charge forward, and you said, I'm going to the promised land with or without the Lord. And Moses had the sense to say, I don't even care anything about that promised land. I'll camp here in the desert with you, God, but I'm not taking a step unless you're going with me. Now, that means two things for your life. Number one, if God hasn't authorized you to do something, you better stay where you are. Don't go unless God has authorized it. But number two, if you do have the leadership of God, you better not stay where you are either. If God's told you to move forward, then move because you have the confidence of the Lord that goes with you. You know, it's amazing, and I I think that we see in Moses, something that all of us know. I can remember, um, you know, it blows my mind having two teenagers, but I I can remember back years ago. And I was always kind of a real serious about the kids sleeping in their own rooms. Like they're not sleeping in my room. Like they have a room, they sleep in their bed. I have a bed. Y'all have a bed. That was a big deal for me. If that's not a big deal for you, whatever, that's not what this sermon's about. But to make that happen, to make that happen with my daughter, you had to go in her room with her. So she would sleep in her room, but you had to stay there till she went to sleep. So sometimes she didn't go to sleep as quick as I thought she ought to go to sleep. So I'd sit there in the room with her, sometimes lay down in the bed or sit there, and I would sit there and think, all right, I think her breathing. I literally could hear her, and I think when the respiration kind of slowed down, I'd go, okay, she's asleep. And I had this creep. But the problem is we had old wood floors in the house that we lived in, and if you didn't step on the right board, it went, and you'd hear this little voice, Dave, where are you going? So it was like you press reset on the whole thing. Yeah, sit back down, lay back down, lay there and wait for it to happen again. And now they're getting older and you wish you had a night like that, right? You know, you're looking back on things, but I'll tell you this, what it was, was the comfort was in the presence. In other words, we weren't talking, we weren't doing anything. She just wanted to know I was in the room. I think we need to get back to a place where we understand that our greatest desire needs to be the presence of God, that we want to be with Him, and we want to sit with Him, and we want to hear from Him, and we want to worship Him, and we want Him to guarantee us His presence. Friends, there was the prayer that God would teach him His ways, guarantee His presence. And then third, look at the last prayer that's recorded here, verse 18. Then Moses said, Now, show me your glory. Maybe the boldest prayer in all of Scripture. Now, show me your glory. Moses had been on the mountain with God, but he understood that a new, fresh vision of God was what he needed to be able to understand, to give him strength to make it. Now, understand that when God says, I'm going to grant you this request, but I'm going to hide you in a cleft of a rock, and I'm gonna cover you with my hand because you can't see my face. You're gonna see my goodness because you're gonna see my back pass by. But God is so holy, he is saying, even you, Moses, even though I love you and I've found favor with you, you can't look directly at me he granted Moses this request and he hid him in the cleft of the rock and he hid him there with his hand and the glory of God passed by and the goodness of God was shown to Moses and it was in that moment that Moses' soul was strengthened that he prepared him for taking the people there to the edge of the promised land and he experienced the glory of God in this way. And I couldn't help but study this passage and smile because I want you to know something. Even though Moses the lawgiver in the Old Testament, the great leader of the Exodus, the one who took them to the edge of the promised land. Moses didn't get to see what you and I can experience through the person and work of Christ. We sang today about the glory of God. We sang about how he makes me want to shout and about the blood of Jesus. We sang today about how wonderful it is to be able to give Him that glory, and the reason we do is because what we understand is that when we see the person and work of Christ, we see God's glory on full display in the person of Jesus. Friends, what I want us to focus on today is that what we know is that there is coming a time where God is not going to hide people's face in the cleft of a rock. But there is coming a time where not only Moses, but every single believer of all ages, and unbelievers, are going to see God's glory unveiled. We are told that He is going to be a rider on a white horse, Revelation 19. That the glory of God is going to be exposed, and that in that moment, what are we told is going to happen? Both the righteous and the wicked are going to fall down at the glory of Jesus Christ, God Almighty. And friends, when you understand that he is the soon and coming king, then your question should be, why am I trying to live this life in a way in which that's not the one who I want to strengthen my soul? I need him to be the one who is going to guide me. I need him to be the one to teach me. I need him to be the one to guarantee his presence, and I need him to show me his. His glory. Friends, I want you to know today that your soul, your soul is the most important thing that you have, that nothing else matters. You say, well, I've got this going on and that going on. Your soul matters more than anything else in your entire life. And friends, if you are neglecting your soul, then I don't care what you're doing with any other aspect of your life strengthen your soul by coming before the Lord. These three prayers are about as simple as it gets. Teach me your ways, guarantee me your presence, and show me your glory.